time for the Mad Dog Show. Coming to you live from the Park Group studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Sanford Company, Fincher's Barbecue, Sellers Construction, Go Clean Co., Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Jay Lee Attorney at Law, Ortho Georgia, Pelicano Construction, Jags Pizzeria and Pub, Bib Distributing, The Butler Auto Group, The Park Group, Corporate Connection, The Dog Bone, and Bulldog Illustrated. Now, here he is, your host, The Mad Dog. How about them dogs, y'all? Mailman for Heisman dog fans. That's what I'm talking about. I told you it was going to happen. I've been saying it all season long. I bet on it before the season started. I put my money where my loud ass mouth is. And that's why we printed up the shirts because we knew it was going to happen. And we have already sold out of those things overnight. Don't worry. We're making more. Go to www.themaddog.com. That is www.themaddog.com. All right, more on this, much more on this in just a minute. So, what else is going on? Well, it was just another weekend in the life of a bunch of DGDs. Win a chip, this time an SEC chip, a champion. Yo, no stress. Final football playoff rankings. Number one, no stress. As expected, who are we playing? Who cares? We do. I do. And I'll tell you why. Because it is exactly how I predicted it last week. I told you that Caleb was going to bomb and USC was going to lose. And I was correct. And I told you also that the Ohio State brown-eyed chin nuts we're going to back into the college football playoff. And I was correct again. And I also told you that Kirk Herbstreet was going to end up living his nightmare and having to call the game of Georgia versus Ohio State. And you guessed it. I was right again for the third time. I manifested that the four teams would be in the correct order, I might add, UGA, Michigan, TCU and Ohio State. Why? Because I know what I'm doing. I've been called an ass before, but it's always been preceded by the word smart. Got it? Good. All right. Here's a quick refresher. How many times has Ohio State played Georgia? Answer, one. Who won the game? Answer, we did by a score of 21 to 14. And who was Ohio State's quarterback? You guessed it, Kirk Herbstreet. Flashback to the very first Mad Dog show last year. The very first one. The first one of last season where I explained in great detail why Kirk Herbstreet hates us. It was a bombastic expose. And we were visited, just not today. Today is about celebrating and it's about savoring. It is about wallowing. Wallowing in an undefeated 13 win. SEC championship season. Never been done before, ever, ever. Never been 13-0, so I had my beard professionally groomed to honor it. 
in accordance with tradition, with custom. So relax, all you superstitious people out there. At any rate, today is just about giggling with giddy glee at these iconic new images we have to treasure, like Jalen Carter holding an opposing QB up in the air with one arm, while the other arm lets the world know that we're number one. I mean, did he plan to do that? Did he tell his teammates, yo, when I get the chance, I'm going to snatch up the QB about two feet off the ground and hold up my arm saying we're number one. And if he did, he went from badass to genius badass. I mean, it was unbelievable. It went viral. And then we get to Chris Smith. How about this guy's football IQ? I was there in the stadium watching with my three adult children, all dogs. And when he blocked the kick, of course, the place went worse than bonkers. It was like a sonic explosion akin to a bomb going off. But then the LSU players trotted off the field like the losers they are. And I kept watching. And I saw Chris Smith squatting over the ball. And I'm... He's looking around like, I'm about to snatch his bone up and take it to the house. And I didn't hear a whistle. And then I start thinking to myself, wait, there is no way this happens. And then it did. The most stupendous, uncontested, bulldog-escorted snatch six in gridiron history. And I'm talking ever. We'll talk about that day until we're dead and buried, and then we'll discuss it with the Lord in heaven and Dooley and Irk, and Munson will be there too. And what, what did that play show? What did that, that one play demonstrate? I'll tell you what. It demonstrated that Kirby is better at teaching the game than Brian Kelly, period. And we knew that, but this was stark and really embarrassing embarrassing for LSU because I mean what's what's Kelly gonna say about it because what could he say my team doesn't know what the rules are and by the way neither do my coaches nor myself I mean it was glorious and it set the tone and then there was another iconic play with the helmet doink tip and pick by Mondin and at that point we were just thinking this is our day this is our dog day. At the same time, LSU is sitting there thinking, this ain't our day. And that stupid L that they love to hold up, it stands for losers, you brainless Cajun inbreds. Pick another letter. And then it was just about what is the final score going to be? Because there's no way that LSU can catch up. There's no way when you have a generational quarterback who is surgically picking apart the LSU defense with an 80% completion percentage and throwing four TDs. And by the way, he only threw five passes in the second half. Five. Oh, by the way, hold on. Here's another iconic image for you. One that I have never seen done before in the sports world. The mic drop. The mic drop. Stetson Fleming Bennett the fourth did a mic drop on the field. Forget arrogantly striking a Heisman pose like some other unnamed finalists did. How about I just do a mic drop? It's freaking badassery. 
So let's talk about the elephant in the room, or in this case, the savage dog frothing at the mouth to eat. Here is the exact words of the Heisman Trophy criteria straight off their website. Annually recognizes the outstanding college football player whose performance best exhibits the pursuit of excellence with integrity. The winners of the trophy epitomize great ability combined with diligence, perseverance, and hard work. So let's assume that all of the finalists have integrity. Let's also assume that they have great ability as evidenced by the fact that they're Heisman finalists. It's the final seven words that separate the finalists from a Heisman winner. Have any of these five stars had to work as hard as a no star? The answer is no. Have any of these five stars had to show more perseverance than a walk-on? Answer, impossible. It's impossible to show more perseverance than the guy who transferred to a junior college just so he could see the field. It's impossible to show more perseverance than the no star who is told by his own coaches, you aren't the guy. It's not going to happen. What does he do? He just doesn't give up. He just keeps banging on the door. And he ain't whispering, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. He just blows your house down. He lets his actions speak so loud you can't hear what you're thinking. Do any of the finalists have the perseverance to take this journey? Zero-star walk-on, scout team, junior college transfer out, junior college transfer in, earn a scally, backup QB, emergency QB, starter, injured, backup, starter, and then finally, finally, MVP of the Orange Bowl, MVP of the Natty, MVP of the SEC Championship game. And oh yeah, by the way, he's the field goal holder too. Don't forget about that. That's a weapon that keeps the opposing field goal block team honest. It's a weapon. And don't talk to me about whatever stats you're looking at. Because Stetson stats were done for an entire year without his number one receiver. And Stetson stats were done based on playing three quarters of a game because by the fourth quarter, all we're doing is running the ball or Stetson's over there on the sidelines playing, I don't know, catch with his buddies, waving to people in the stands because he's not worrying about the game because we're road grading our opponents, our high quality opponents. So here is the only stat that you need to know for the finalists. Games against the AP Top 25. We've got the finalists, and since Tennessee's crying so bad, we threw Hendon Hooker in there just for funsies. Here we go. Conference champions, only one in the bunch. Stetson Bennett. Undefeated, only one in the bunch. Stetson Bennett. Who had the most games against top 25 teams? That would be Caleb and Stetson at five. Who is the only one that won them all? Stetson. Caleb only won three. Highest completion percentage, Stetson Bennett. Yards, the only one that beat him was Caleb Williams, which again is against inferior components. Most TDs, Stetson Bennett. Highest QBR, Stetson Bennett. Most rushing TVs, Stetson Bennett. So take that, you whiny Tennessee idiots. Stop your whining. It's embarrassing. You're better than that, except you're not. So while all the other finalists have padded their stats all year against inferior opponents, 
What did they do when they played a team that was worth a flip? They did not perform. They did not produce results. They could not produce the results that the mailman could. Period. End of sentence. Paragraph, page, chapter, and book. Now it's time to G-A-T-A. Mark Slayball from ESPN. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, David. How are you? Man, you know, I'm uh, great, as you might expect, after an SEC championship win, after Stetson winning the Burlesworth, and now being a Heisman finalist, it just feels like I'm living a dream as a Georgia fan. I think he, pro- I think Stetson probably is, too. Um, you know, I said for two years that instead of knocking the guy, people should be embracing it. I think it's one of the best stories in college football history, and, and I'm happy for him to, to see some fruits out of it because he's definitely put in the time well the uh the bennett's ought to reach out to you to write his life story <laughs> since you're good at that <laughs> i told somebody over the weekend i'll do the book and the screenplay <laughs> have you done any screenplays no nah, i've always wanted to yeah i don't know if i'd be any good at it but uh it would be fun i think i mean duck dynasty those guys just they're teed up to do a movie it'd be perfect yeah, I think Phil's done a couple documentaries, maybe. There's been a couple documentaries on Phil, I think. Yeah, I wasn't thinking documentary type. I was thinking full-on um, live action. Motion picture. Yeah. yeah. All right, so you are a Heisman voter, and a lot of people don't fully understand, you know, how that works. And so I guess, first of all, you know, in the past, people, you know, there would be Heisman campaigns, you know, Herschel for Heisman or Garrison Hurst for Heisman. And the, the universities themselves would have these campaigns and they would, you know, put out all this stuff on the airwaves. And now that doesn't really happen. And I was just I was curious if different schools reached out to you and other voters with, you know, information or or stats that most people might not, you know, necessarily know about or have access to, to kind of promote them. Does any of that happen anymore? You know, unless I've just been left off some lists, there's not a lot um, that I've seen over the last 12 months. I mean, there's been some really good ones over the years. I know BYU with Ty Detmer, they sent out a tie, like a, a necktie. Um, Oregon did the billboard with Joey Harrington back in the day. Right. Um, um, Marshall did a bobblehead with Byron Leftwich. I've got a horse somewhere. <laughs> uh, or uh, Ed Oliver, the Houston defensive lineman, riding a horse, a little porcelain doll. I remember back when I was in school, Georgia did a poster for Eric Zire that folded out like 19 t- nine times or something. Um, <laughs> there have been a lot of good ones over the years, but I just I haven't seen much. And I mean, I haven't really gotten any emails. That's that's exactly the opposite of what I thought you would tell me. Um, You know, Stetson's easy. Why not just send out a bunch of snail mail, you know, delivered with all his, you know, fun facts and stats on it. But um, obviously that didn't happen. And you are, you know, one of the one of how many voters? Excuse me, about 990, I think, a bunch. 990, and you you rank them. That's not the exact number. It's a bunch. You have have to rank them, right? One through three. One through three, and then there's a certain amount of points associated with each one, and then they tabulate it up, and they have a winner. Yep. 
So I have to ask the question, what did your ballot look like? Yeah, I'm really not supposed to say it, but I'll tell you anyway. Um, <laughs> Good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I labored over it for a while, for a couple of weeks. Um, and I knew, I knew Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback, Stetson Bennett, CJ Stroud, and Max Duggan. Mm-hmm. You know what? It may be top five, David. Hold on one second. I can tell you now that I'm thinking about it. It's actually screenshotted my Heisman ballot. It is top nine is top three. Okay. So going into the last couple of weeks, it was those guys that I just mentioned, Stroud, Max Duggan, Stetson Bennett, uh, Caleb Williams were the main guys. Hendon Hooker was up there until until he played Georgia and then he got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, B. John Robinson from Texas, I think is the best non-quarterback in the country probably. Blake Corum at Michigan is really good too, but he got hurt. Um, you know, and I looked at the stats, and I know you've seen them, the, the performances against top 25 opponents. Stetson Bennett was head and shoulders above the other dudes. Um, you know, everybody talked about Bo Nix from Oregon and Hendon Hooker from t- Tennessee being Heisman favorites, and he outplayed both of them. Um, his record is is what it is. I mean, his, his record as a starting quarterback, what is he, 31-2, and 33-2 and two now? Something crazy like that. Yeah, he doesn't get nearly enough credit for the way he runs. He doesn't get nearly enough credit for the audibles and checks he makes at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's running that offense. And I just get – I mean, I've seen it since he was announced as a finalist. Um, People saying, you know, I could be George's quarterback and they'd win. Well, that's not fair because he hasn't had any wide receivers all year other than Ladd McConkey and Ladd McConkey, all due respect, Ladd McConkey's a good player, but he's also about a five foot eight kid from the North Georgia mountains. That's smaller than Stetson. Right. Um, so, I mean, and Bowers is a great player and Darnell Washington's a good player, but you know, Hinton Hooker, Caleb Williams, all those guys have way better receiver course. Stroud, they all got way better receiver cores than, than Stetson Bennett does. So I went Stetson Bennett one, I went Max Duggan two, and I went Caleb Williams three. And I probably would have gone Caleb Williams too, but I watched every second of that Big 12 championship game on Saturday. And Max Duggins to me is better than Tim was better than Tim Tebow in that game. He can actually throw it. Right. He just put the team on his back. Yeah. So if you had to just guess, who do you guess is gonna win? Caleb Williams. I think I saw the odds today and I was surprised. I think Stetson was third. Mm-hmm. Like minus plus twenty five hundred, right? And I think Caleb Williams was like minus fifteen hundred or something, and uh, Stroud was fourth. What can Vegas? How, how can Vegas even handicap that? I mean, the only way they could do it is to poll voters and and ask them how they voted. That's probably exactly how they've done it. There used to be some straw polls out there. I don't know if there still are or not. Uh huh. Downtown Athletic Club frowns upon revealing your your votes but i just did it <laughs> you're such a rebel yeah. i love it <laughs> um okay so what is the earliest you can submit your vote i want to say it was mailed to me like last monday or tuesday oh okay and you had until monday at like five to submit it i think uh-huh 
Um, I always wait until after the championship games. And the reason why is I did one year, I voted before the championship game, and then I went to the Big 12 championship game and saw Sue from Nebraska play against Colt McCoy. Yeah. And I said I would have voted for Sue. Right. If, if I'd seen him in person. So how many years now have you voted uh, for Heisman? Probably 20. 20. And how many times has your number one guy been the winner? Oh, I, I mean, probably pretty high. Most of the time, you know who the favorites are. There was that one year, I think it was Andrew Luck and Mark Ingram, maybe. And I voted for Ingram, and Ingram ended up winning. That was that was a toss-up. Um, I don't think I voted for RG3, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember who else was in the hunt that year. All right, let's switch gears because, you know, nobody knows. That it's done. It's done right now. There's, We'll find out Saturday. Um, I think it's huge, a huge win that Stetson's a finalist. No matter what happens, of course, obviously, I want him to win. Um, let's switch gears to the portal, which has probably been keeping you very, very busy now that it's open for business. What's the biggest news you've seen in the portal so far? Um, I mean, probably just the number of big-name quarterbacks who've gone in. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State was a big surprise. Um, Devin Leary from NC State was another big surprise. He's going to be a hot commodity. Bunch of wide receivers. like a bunch of guys that could help out Georgia and Bama right. next year. Um, I mean, there's, I think there's other, it's up to like 1,400 kids or something. I mean, it's ridiculous. I just looked yesterday, I spent all day just clicking today that hasn't been as busy, but um, I just looked. Texas AM's had 20 guys go in the portal since like October 29th, and I know Arkansas had a ton, Maryland had a ton. Um, I mean, I guess these guys are just going to turn over their rosters, I guess. And so, somebody. So if somebody goes into the portal, they don't get picked up. The team that they left doesn't have to take them back, right? They can say, hey, sorry, Mad Dog, um, we, we don't need your services anymore, right? And then they can kind of just be yeah. left out in, in la-la land with nowhere to land. I Yeah, you're exactly right. Once they go into the portal, their coach or their current school does not have to honor the scholarship. Um, I think the first year – about 50% of the kids ended up at new schools with scholarships. Last year, I think it dipped to about 25%. This year with 1,200, there are not 1,200 scholarships out there. Um, but it's just, you know, I think it's, it's just, this is not how it's supposed to, to work. Yeah, and, you know, there's there's two sides of it. You know, there's the, the old-timers that are like, I, I, don't, I don't like the portal, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they're not taking into the account the fact that these kids are risking a lot themselves. There's no guarantees in the portal. They're walking away from a scholarship if they had one that, that may not be there on the other side, right? I mean, that's what you just said. Yeah. I mean, excuse me. Other than like the quarterbacks I just named who are looking for a change of scenery and one right. more shot to, to become a first rounder, um, you know, the majority of kids that are going in there are going in there because they're not playing where they are. Or they had small field issues. They're not getting along with the coaches. 
it's rare that, that I mean, there aren't a lot of five-star starters in the portal. Right. There's, there's some really good players. There's some good small FCS group of five players that can help some people, but you know, you're not, you're not seeing a, a ton of legitimate bona fide FBS contributors going in there. Could you see the dogs going after a quarterback? Uh, you know, I think it happens. I think it depends on what happens in the spring. You know, if Carson Beck wins the starting job, does Brock Vandegrift stick around? I think Gunnar Stockton could sit another year and be fine, but it's probably getting pretty far along the clock for Brock Vandegrift. He either needs to, to win the job or maybe have to go somewhere else if he plays, but if he wants to play. But yeah, I mean, Devin Larry's a good quarterback, Sanders is a good quarterback. Um, trying to think who else went in there yesterday. There were so many of them, but yeah. But I mean, look, Kirby lost 15 NFL draft picks last year and didn't take a single portal guy. So I think it all comes down to he likes the guys he has, they feel comfortable in their development process, and he doesn't want to disrupt chemistry. And right. you know, in terms of Transfer quarterbacks, he's done it twice, and I don't think either one of them worked out great. Jamie Newman left before the season started, and they couldn't get JT Daniels back on the field. And he's, going, he's now looking for his fourth different school, by the way. Right. That's that's wild. Uh, speaking of the name Sanders, what do you think about Dion Prime headed to Colorado? You know, they, they got what they wanted. They got some headlines. They got the splash. Um, his – Opening press conference with his players was quite eye-opening. Right. Um, you know, he's another guy that could really dump a bunch of kids and bring his own people. But uh, I'll be curious to see. You know, he, he did really well at Jackson State with the SWACs at back conference. Not a lot of competition. Um, Colorado has been a doormat for so long. He's really going to have to inject a, a lot of energy into it, you know, getting Sean Lewis from Kent State as his offense coordinator was a hell of a coup. I mean, he, he gave Georgia fits at, at Sanford Stadium. Right. Uh, the record, record wasn't great, but he played a brutal schedule, non-conference schedule. So I think that was a, a pretty good pretty good hire in the beginning. And then, so at this point, he doesn't have a defensive coordinator? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, maybe Mike Zimmer, who was with him as an analyst, I think, at Jackson State. Right. Former Vikings head coach. Yeah. That's a lot about defense. I think that somehow slipped under my radar. Zimmer, the former Vikings head coach, was an analyst for Dion. I think that's right. How did that happen? I think he just wanted to coach. Yeah. He's an analyst at Jackson State. He's good with it. That's wild. All right. A am I crazy or could TCU upset Michigan? Uh, yeah. I mean, if they get a couple turnovers and Duggan plays well, what concerns me is Michigan just really bullied Ohio State and TCU really had problems in short yardage against Kansas State. Kansas State's a good football team. I don't know that they're as big and physical as Michigan is, but um, you know, you give Sonny Dykes a month to prepare, I think they're going to come up with some things on offense. They're they're talented on that side of the ball. And, Duncan plays really hard, and Garrett Riley, as offensive coordinator, will come up with some wrinkles. 
What do you think, obviously, about our matchup? Um, I mean, I think Georgia should win. I think they're more talented on defense. Um, you know, Ohio State's going to get back both tailbacks probably, mm-hmm. Williams and, and Travion Henderson. Um, so they're going to have their hands full stopping the running game. But, you know, Kelly, Keely Ringo's got to play really well against Marvin Harrison. He's he's made some big plays in his career, but I think he's also been a little bit inconsistent. Um, mm-hmm. and Harrison's a big-time receiver. The other kid, uh is not bad either, or Julian Fleming. So I think they get a break that – Smith's not playing. Um, Who's going to be their OC? I guess Ryan Day will call it. I don't know. Is, is Did they say for sure Kevin Wilson's not coaching? Yeah, I mean, they said he was gone. Oh, so he's gone. Yeah, so I guess Day just told him to go on. I guess Ryan no. Day will call it. No, no, no. I, I think Ohio State's OC went to be a head coach somewhere else. But Kevin Wilson went to Tulsa. I can't keep up with the names. I just saw the headline. Yeah, Kevin Wilson, he used to be the head coach at Indiana, took the Tulsa job. Okay. Um, he was Indiana's head coach, God, like in what, like 2011, 12, something like that. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, we saw Mark Rick do it at Florida State, calling plays. Um, you know, Kirby Seems- did it at Alabama as the D.C., it's not working out so good recently for Jimbo. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know for a hundred percent that he was not gonna call plays in the Peach Bowl. You know, there's been a lot of Texas AM players hitting the portal, has there not? I believe there's about twenty-two in there right now, like twenty since November twenty-eighth. Um, a couple starters, a couple freshmen who ran into some troubles. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I think, yeah, I think Jimbo's gonna have to make some changes. I think he already fired uh, his uh, quarterbacks coach, uh, Dickey, and I'm I'm be curious to see if he keeps Coley and Damian Craig and some other guys because they were certainly one of the more disappointing teams in the country again. Jimbo comes across as a combination between a used car salesman and a televangelist. Is that is that pretty much what he is? I mean, he's just a fast talker. It's almost like he's not even thinking about what he's saying. It's just stream of consciousness um, and a bunch of coach speak and cliches and platitudes. I'll let I'll re- let you reserve that judgment. I'll just- <laughs> Whatever he's doing, it works because he made $90 million and he doesn't have to win. <laughs> Well, that is quite the rebuttal. <laughs> you can't argue with that. But you can argue with his results so far. Yeah, no, they, they haven't gotten their money's worth. Okay. Speaking of coaches, Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Um, I think it'll work. What do you think? I think it's a match made in heaven. I think I think he'll win. I think he'll win big. I don't think he's afraid of saving. I think they'll recruit. He can do it legally now. They'll kill it. What do you think? Why do you think Kiffin said no? I think Lane. Um, I think Lane was mature about it, and 
there were some family reasons. Like his, his daughter enjoys Oxford and wants to go to school at Ole Miss and didn't want to move. And, you know, if it's true, and I don't know that that's 100% true, but if it is true, I commend Lane for growing up. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I hope you're exactly. And then, look, he's making nine million. What is he making now? Nine, right? They gave him a raise. He's making like eight or nine million dollars a year in Oxford, Mississippi, and he doesn't have to put up with the Auburn boosters. Well, that's what I kept saying. Why would he leave Oxford, Mississippi, to go to Auburn and deal with all that dysfunction? I I think he wonders. I think he wonders if he's reached the ceiling at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a smaller school, the fan base isn't as big. Booster base isn't as big as some other SEC schools. Can they compete with Bama and Georgia and LSU and AM when it comes to NIL? Um, but he's he's always done a good job in the portal and does more with less than some other schools. For sure. So Brian Kelly obviously overachieved his first year. Do you think that he's going to be able to continue to build on that, or did he just quickly reach the plateau of what he's going to be able to do there? No, I think he can win big there. You know, I wasn't a big fan of the hire just because I didn't think culturally it was a good fit, but uh, the guy knows how to coach football and he knows how to win games. Um, You know, he's got some good recruiters on his staff. You know, they did a really good job the first year and going out and getting some transfers that were Louisiana kids and brought them home. And some of those guys helped them, you know, watching that game Saturday night, you wondered if they were playing the wrong quarterback the whole time. Yeah. Doug Nussmeyer's got a rocket. Yes, he does. So I think they got to feel good about the future, but you know, booty booty's coming back next year. He was hurt and had an inconsistent year. So, you know, that's, that's a big, big bonus for them because he was supposed to be a top 10 pick. Uh, yeah. I need to get a couple guys to help them on the defensive line but i think i think you know they got up until the texas a&m loss i think they were the one team that really got better every week compared to where they started the year what would you say the story of the year is for you oh in college football yeah, college or little, football. Or little, or little golf. Well, let's 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 go college football followed by and all of sports. All of sports. Um, I mean, I think it's probably got to be that Georgia's back to number one and did what the team last year didn't do and won the SEC championship. And Stetson Bennett's a Heisman Trophy finalist. They're undefeated. They're number one ranked team in the country and lost fifteen guys to the NFL, including five guys in the first round off defense. I mean, in the, I was listening, sitting in the carpool line for about 45 minutes this afternoon, picking up my son and was listening to uh, Bobby Carpenter and Jacob Hester. And I guess one of the 27 coaching award lists came out today. <laughs> and they were going through the 35 coaches who were finalists. But I think it was Bobby Carpenter said, you know, it'd be a fraudulent list if Kirby Smart wasn't on there because – you know, Nick Saban probably deserved to win it 10 times. Dabo probably deserved to win it two or three times. But, you know, people were just so accustomed to them being there that they never got credit for the job they were actually doing. And I, I just have a hard time imagining that there are two or three other coaches in the country who could lose what Kirby lost from a team that, you know, ended a 41-year drought and to just not even miss a beat, really. I mean, that – 
speaks volumes for what the program he's built, the culture he's built over there, because, you know, they are half as talented as they were a year ago mm-hmm. on defense. Yeah, um, right. they, got some really, they got some really good young players, but they don't have the dudes that they had on the defensive line. Uh, Jalen Carter's an incredible player, but he missed half the season. Right. Um, those other guys aren't bad players, but they're not Trayvon Walker and Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis. If you were going to rank the four best teams, regardless of record, to be in the playoff, who would be your four best teams? Georgia one, Bama two, Michigan three. TCU four. Okay, let me jump around here. Why can't I make myself a believer in Michigan? Is it because they had all those big names last year and then we throttled them? Because it seems like those names have gone. You know. Yeah, I have the same. I have the same. I have the same questions. I mean, you knew at the Orange Bowl last year that game was over in about two possessions. Right. The way Georgia manhandled them on both the offensive line and the defensive line, and they don't have Hutchinson and. Who was the other kid of Bajo on the other side? Um, yeah. He didn't register yeah. a stat. It was like no, he didn't they, play. They shut down Hutchinson, too. Um, yeah. And they, I mean, that, they lost a couple linebackers, lost a couple guys in the secondary. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I think it's kind of steps under Harbaugh, too, for any team. You get to the playoff, you're kind of happy to be there. That was a veteran team that, hadn't been really good the year before and Harbaugh was on the hot seat and you make the playoff and you run into a buzzsaw. So maybe they're better. I just don't know that. I mean, they, they were impressive in the only two games they played in the regular season, big games, Penn state, and Ohio state for sure on the road. Um, but we'll see. Bama. I put Bama second because I think they're the second most talented team. I still think Bryce Young's the best player in the country. I still think Will Anderson's the best player in the country on defense outside of Jalen Carter. Uh, they receivers are not very good. The offensive line is not very good, but they're pretty good on defense. But you know, they lost two games on the last play of the game on the road, and had about twenty nine penalties and four turnovers in those games. So talent wise, they're there, but for whatever reason, something just didn't click this year, and they didn't deserve to be in the playoff. Right, it gets down to the whole, you know best team versus deserve thing. Yeah. And this is, I guess, the system set up for most deserving. But I, yeah. I agree with you about Bryce. His ability to – where he can, he can put a ball anywhere. It's almost like uh, Aaron Rodgers. Just a flip of the wrist, and he's just dropping a ball onto somebody's finger. It is amazing. It, it, it really is amazing to me. I mean, obviously, Mechie and Jamison Williams were incredible wide receivers. Both of them will play in the NFL for a long time, but the drop-off this year, I mean, Holden's leaving, JoJo Earl's leaving. They got a couple other receivers leaving. I mean, they missed on some guys. They missed on some guys on the offensive line, too. I mean, Tommy Brockemeyer was the number one offensive tackle in the country in 2019. He couldn't even get on the field. It's crazy. It is. That was supposed to be the greatest offensive line class in college football history, and I think one guy's a starter. You broke up on that last part. What did you say? That 2019 class, which included the Brockermeyer twins 
and about four other five stars was supposed to be the greatest offensive line signing class in history. And I think one guy's a starter. So who, what is your prediction? It fast forward 12 months. We're sitting here. Who are the four teams going to the playoffs? The last four team playoff ever, hopefully this time next year. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and USC. <laughs> yeah. Maybe USC gets it done. Well, uh, TCU is going to lose a bunch. He's going to go heavy in the portal, though. Sonny Dykes will. Who, if Kirby's not the national coach of the year, Sonny Dykes should be. Mm -hmm. um, Clemson. So I think there's still something wrong there. Um, but those would be. I have to look at Michigan's roster pretty hard in Ohio State. Well, I would certainly accept that because I'm hoping at that point for a three-peat. I actually went back and looked this week because I always get grilled for uh, my way too early top 25. I knew I had <clears> – <throat> Kind of the same every year. I had Alabama one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, USC four. I was back in May. Then I had AM five. We have the tools. And uh, Utah six. Michigan I think State, the ultimate. Michigan State eight. Oof, that's ugly. Oh, uh, that looks bad in the rearview mirror. Yeah. But who would have thought they would have been as bad as they are? I think that the playoff is not going to result. The end result will be no different. You're going to still have the same teams vying for the semis and the natty. And all you're going to really do is you're going to expand the number of people that are interested because you're going to have eight more teams and eight more fan bases and those extra games. Yeah, but I don't the, – the one thing that they got to get a handle on and figure out is – I love that there's going to be playoff games on campus, but the top four teams are never going to get to have a right home game, and that's the biggest recruiting tool there'll be. Right. I mean, Kirby can't stand playing in Jacksonville because he can't take recruits, or he can't interact with recruits there. I mean, is that changeable at this point? Could they tweak the model so that you get a home game? I mean, it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I, – I think they're trying to incorporate the traditional bowls, you know, the New York New Year's Six and a couple others into that playoff format just to keep those bowl games relevant because of tradition and money. Um, and that's why there's only four. Well, it's really – it's real easy to fix. Yeah. You expand it to 16 and you, everybody plays in all rounds and you start out with the top eight having a home game. Yeah, it's the way the FCS does it. I mean, once again, we're doing it a way that nobody, no other sport anywhere does it this way. And at the end of the day, we're still based on an opinion poll. Let me give you, I got I got a trivia question for you. The only team in the country that played defending FBS national champion Georgia and defending FCS national champion North Dakota State this season. Is it Kent State? The Samford Bulldogs of the fighting Chris Hatchers. Wow. He gets he gets to go. He hadn't played him yet. He gets to go to uh North Dakota State 
on Friday night after I think it was like their first conference championship, outright conference championship since like 1910 and their first ever home playoff game. And I think he beat Southeast Louisiana or somebody in overtime with his backup quarterback. Now he gets to go play the, the Bison. Please tell me that's going to be in a dome. It's in a dome. Okay. As Hatcher said, the Chris Hatcher team on turf in a dome on Friday night on ESPN2, I like our chances. Yeah, well, he's right. All, all that criteria, he's yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. I, I guess you guys are friends. Yeah, I like. I love old hats. And uh, I love his daddy, Edgar. I like all those making guys, except for you. <laughs> I'm not the that's, you're not the first person to say that but I'll tell you this about Hatcher is he, he just seems like he's universally loved by all I mean all the coaches like him he's just one of those guys right yeah he's out of that mummy tree you know he's the Sonny Dykes Mike Leach Dana Holgerson all those guys they just like having a good time and calling plays the mummy tree sounds like a whole show into itself the mummy tree would should be a 10-part documentary series. <laughs> How many parts would be Leech? Yeah, it would be three or four for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, look, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Always love your insight. Um, thank you for your vote. And hopefully uh, should win. Well, you've, you know, I appreciate the fact that you did not vote with your heart. You voted with your, your mind and what you're – your brain told you was the best player fit the Heisman criteria. Yeah. I mean, I look, I don't, I don't know that there's any specific way to vote, you know, whether it's the best player on the best team, the best player in the country, the most valuable player in the country. But I just know that Georgia wouldn't have won an sec championship, but wouldn't be back in the playoff. If it wasn't for Stetson Bennett last year, you could have certainly argued, argued that Georgia's defense got them into the playoff, but, Every big game the kids ever played, he's shown up from the right. Orange Bowl and the national championship game last year to the big ones this year. Every big game he's delivered, and that's why he's the mailman. Nope. Well, if I don't talk to you again, I hope you have a Merry Christmas with your wife and kids. You too. No, we're looking forward to it. And uh, we'll I hope, hope to uh, see you in Atlanta. And you know what? I, uh, since you voted for mailman, I need to send you some mailman for Heisman shirts. Oh yeah. I'll give those to my daughters. All right. I'll, I'll get your address and send some for the whole fam. All right. Thank you. David. All right. Thanks Mark. See you. See you. It's time for some stats that matter with Burke Hodges from the Welcome back. Burke Hodges from Dogbone. How are you? Mad dog, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Man, people keep asking me that, and I'm I'm living the dream. I mean, we're the number one team in the country. We just won an SEC championship. We're reigning national champions. We're undefeated. Uh, Stetson's now <laughs> a finalist for the Heisman. The mailman for Heisman campaign is working. I thought about you, you know, this this 36-hour window that we had where – College football playoffs announced that we're playing Ohio State, and then Stetson is uh, going to the Heisman Trophy presentation. You know, I mean, you you basically one of your rants every week this year was about one of those two things. So um, 
to have both of those as Kirby would describe it. That is a collective assault. It was. And I mean, I, I looked back, I, I have been talking about this Ohio state game going all the way back to the very first Mad Talk show. So it's only taken yeah. two years. It's kind of crazy. You know, I mean, it feels like these two teams have been dancing around each other for a very long time. You know, I mean, we, we had them on the schedule, I think, for what, 2020 and 2021? I can't remember, but they backed out of it a few years ago. And so we were supposed to play them in the regular season. And then, you know, last year we should have played them if they hadn't gotten beaten by Michigan. Um, so, you know, we – and it has felt inevitable this year that in order for us to be national champions, we have to go through Ohio State at some point. I would I would phrase it in order for them to be national champions, they have to go through us. But yes, I understand <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, the matchup had to happen. The Let's matchup had to happen. You're you're right. It, it, we have been dancing around each other, and for whatever reason, just the orbits didn't collide, um, and just it's finally the planets have aligned for it to occur. And nobody yeah. is more ready for that to happen than me. What was it? 1993? Is that the last time? The the only time, that's the, the only whole, time. That's the only time yeah. we've ever played them, right? So that was the the ninety two season, and we played them in ninety three on New Year's Day. Is that what it was? I, I think you're exactly right. Okay, and I I think my prediction is also coming true that Kirk Herbstreit is going to have to call the game. Yeah, I would imagine ESPN has the broadcast for both college football playoffs and we're the prime time win. So they're probably going to put him and Chris Fowler in the prime time slot. I mean, that's what I would think. I mean, hopefully I'm going to be there so that I'm not having to hear it, you know, as it's happening and we'll get mm -hmm. to go, go back after the fact and rewatch yeah. it uh, with glee. So here's a little trivia question for you. What is another thing that the last time it happened was the 92 that 92-93 season? The last time Georgia had a Heisman finalist. Bingo. Bingo. And you and I were headed out to Colorado for winter quarter about that time. You know? <laughs> That's exactly right. It feels like a lifetime ago. It does. <laughs> Man, it does. And I'm headed back uh, to go see Stuart Dickens on Thursday. Excellent. Tell him I said, hey. Miss I, will. I will. I yeah. will. Yeah. Um, so I've got a, I guess, a collection of, you know, we're always focused on the stats that matter, but I've got a collection of somewhat random stats, stats that are interesting, along with some stats that matter that are going to kind of tell us a little bit about what we're looking at in the playoffs. Okay. So, um, what I want to kind of start out with is let's talk about Pappy Van Stetson for a second, because... <laughs> You know, he, he got announced yesterday. Um, we've seen a ton of stuff rolling around about the angst about him being a Heisman finalist. Uh, Tennessee has just had a total meltdown that Hendon Hooker isn't there and Stetson is. Right. Um, but he deserves it. I mean, and, and you and Mark went through all the reasons that he does deserve it. And it's not just his story. It's um, It's this year – and it's his leadership 
And it is his big game performance really more than anything. So if we can throw out that stat about Stetson's big game performance, this is really, really remarkable. And the stat among these that really jumps out, besides him being the highest passer rating against ranked teams this year, is that he has a ridiculous completion percentage of 73%. Um, He's thrown for 13 touchdowns and two interceptions in the five games that we have against ranked opponents. It looks like two other quarterbacks had five games against ranked opponents, Caleb Williams and Bo Nix. Caleb Williams is sixth and Bo Nix was 13th, so they're well down the list. And Max Duggan is not even on this list. He was all the way down at 24th. So uh, when it came to big games, Stetson Stetson was the man. And, you know, I mean, it felt like it. We had those games, the Kentucky, Mississippi State, Missouri games, where it just felt like we weren't – he wasn't totally on. But when it came time for him to get up for the big game, he did. He's done it all year. Yeah, and I mean, you know – there's things that you can't see on paper like, you know, incompletions that are throwaways or incompletions that were drops or, you know, balls that were on target and batted away. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what's interesting to me is first of all, the facts that, um, Duggan's not even, didn't even make the list. Um, but just, yeah, those big game numbers when you're 73% completion rating, I mean, you, you're, Every drive, if a drive has, you know, eight balls and it's usually got more than that, I mean, if you're completing six out of eight balls, that drive is going to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, a prime example of that is in the LSU game. So after Butte scored that touchdown to go seven to seven, um, Stetson, like that next drive, I mean, he was on fire. Like we just marched it straight down the field. He was just picking them apart. And then, we get the weird interception. So we score on that one, get the weird interception, first play, bam, perfect strike to lad over the middle for a touchdown. Um, you know, and it's not not just that, but it, with his experience, it's him calling into plays and calling out of plays as well. You know, um, you know, he, he is really good at orchestrating what play we need to be in for the de- defense that's on the field. Yeah, and I mean, that's exactly what uh, Mark Slayball said. You know, he doesn't get credit for all of the audibles that he's calling, you know, where he's literally an OC on the field. You know, the play that's Mm -hmm. called, they come up, their defense comes up in an alignment, and that play's just not going to work, and he has to call a new play on the spot. Yeah, he does it. That kind of quick, almost instant decision-making is, I think, why he's going to end up getting drafted. Mm-hmm. And I, I see no reason why he would not be a late rounder. And that's what, you know, the draft prognosticators are starting to say, you know, it used to be he won't even start for an SEC team. Then it's like, oh, well, you know, he could be picked up as a free agent. Now that everybody's like, why not? Why in the world wouldn't this guy get drafted? Right. And he and Todd Monken are totally in sync right now, you know, and it's so much fun to watch. I don't know at what point in the year they figured out to do the Todd Monken cam. (laughs) It is my new favorite thing because the, the amount of energy that guy brings to a successful play. Like, I think the rest of the guys in the booth are a little bit scared, you know I mean? The high five and like the, 
belligerent high fiving that's going on after a, a <laughs> call is just something to behold. And it's like he saved up all his energy for an entire week. Other than that, he's just like not even hardly making a noise. But then when something like that happens, all of that energy just gets directed to that moment. Just explodes. And yeah. the funniest thing is the one he exploded on the most was that random weird two-point trick play that we went for to put a 50-count chicken nugget platter on LSU. <laughs> that was just the most exciting play of the game. It really was. And, and part of that, you know, was just seeing AD back and contributing – and just knowing what a long road he's been on. But uh, there's also a part of me, and I guarantee you feel the same way too, was like, man, we could have saved that play, you know? know. Yeah. For when we really maybe needed it. But, you know, you can't save them all. You can't save them all. And Stetson talked about that in the interview after the game, and he was about to give away too much because Stetson was talking about how we actually practice that play with somebody else running the the pass and mm -hmm. um kirby was like hold on you need to stop talking right now because um <laughs> you know apparently we still have something in our back pocket there right i wonder but, who it is i wonder if it's I, Pal I wonder if it's brock brock to darnell what if we had a brock to darnell yeah we've got so many impossible plays to stop but imagine trying to stop that you know it's like all right, if you got it to the corner, just run it in. If you don't, throw it up to Darnell. How are you going to yeah. stop that? You know? You can't. <laughs> you, just, you can't. The the other funny thing was they were asking Kirby about uh, the going for two thing. And, you know, he said that he just consulted the chart. And I was like, <laughs> it, I mean, it just seems weird. To, okay, so that made it 48 to 23. So the chart says, um, you know, do you want to go up by 26 points or do you want to go up by 27 points? Keep in mind, there's only 14 minutes left in the game. Right. And so he's consulting the chart. And I can't imagine at that point why you're even bothering with the chart. The chart probably said – do you want to score the same amount of points that you scored the last time you were in the stadium? Or do you want to hang a 50? On, <laughs> right. You know? What chart was it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it doesn't even make any sense. Why does it matter? 26 versus 27 at that point. I mean, it, the math like doesn't even work on it. So I, it was totally psychological to send a message to Brian Kelly. Welcome to the SEC is what I think that chart said. He wanted to see Monk and lose his mind in the coaching booth. You know, he wanted to see that play work and Monk <laughs> yeah. just go belligerent up there. Because <laughs> Kirby loves the Todd Cam. That's what it was. Yes, right. I think they started it maybe around the Florida game. And high five and Monk and is so good. Like that that should be its own like GIF, you know, is high five and Monk and because uh I mean he he gets after it. He does, man. At that um at the parade and the big uh, celebration at the stadium last year, I ended up able to get right down to the entrance to the locker room where all the players and coaches funneled in. And I saw Munkin and I recognize him. I mean, I bet tons of people if they saw Todd Munkin on the street would not recognize him, but I did. And I was mm -hmm. like, Hey coach, man, thank you so much, man. You're awesome. He literally looked at me like he was startled that anyone was cheering for him, much less even knew who he was. It was almost like, 
I had blown his cover and that he didn't mm -hmm. want, want anyone to be able to recognize Todd Munkin on the street. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I just, I, I think he likes the situation that he's in. Um, maybe he doesn't like the spotlight and maybe he's fine with that. Um, but we need to do whatever we can to, to keep him around for a few more years. Cause that is working. You know, he gave a lot of credit to, uh, Bobo for those first two touchdown play calls because he was at that um, was it the what's the assistant coach of the year Broyles award yeah the Broyles yeah. right so he was at that doing an interview and he was talking about how as a collective team their offensive team he's like we're uh you know we're we're a bunch of superstars on that team and together it's working but he gave a lot of credit to Bobo for uh throwing out some plays that worked in the LSU game. I mean, you talk about the hive mind of this team with the head coaches or, or people that will be head coaches between Munkin, Bobo, Kirby, Muschamp, Schumann, mm -hmm. uh, uh, BMAC. I mean, it just goes mm -hmm. on and on. Yeah. Um, hadn't Cyril's been a head coach? Uh, I don't know if he's been a head coach. Um, maybe he's been a coordinator. But you, you get you get my point. I mean, it's just yeah. the, the the football brain power. It just is astounding. It really is, and you know, I don't think that they have really played that up as much as it is. How much of a factor it is in our success this year, and all you got to do is look at Alabama to see what happens when you don't have the right coaching staff under under the head coach. Yep. Um, because they they're probably about to fire their offense and defensive coordinator. And um, you know, we've got guys on that staff that it feels like they they're probably happy where they are and they're probably gonna be there for a long time. Yeah. And you know, everybody had a lot of heartburn over Lanning leaving with our historic defense. Well, turns out we don't miss him. I mean, <laughs> turns out it arguably made zero difference in points per yeah. game allowed, like literally. You know, yeah, sneaking in Muschamp into that role with Schumann, co-defensive coordinator, I mean, it it works perfect for him. His son's there. He's a great defensive mind. Um, him and Kirby, like, they just completely gel. So, I mean, it couldn't be better. Our defensive coaching staff could not be any better right now. Let's not change a thing. <laughs> no. All right, a couple more stats on stats, and then I want to jump to something else. Okay. Um, fun fact about him, if he has – if we make it to the national championship, he is more than likely going to break Aaron Murray's single-season passing yards record. So Aaron Murray set that in 2012, and you remember that offense we had in 2012. Mm -hmm. Todd Gurley was a freshman, played right. Alabama in the SEC championship. Right. Murray threw for 3,893 yards that year. Right now, Stetson has 3,425. So he's about 400 yards under. Right. So a couple of 200-yard-plus games in these last two games, hopefully, and um, he'll break the all-time Georgia single-season record. Well, he breaks that, and I, I think we're 15-0. and 0. I think so too. You know, the, the other interesting thing about that is 2012, we had a lot of closer games. And so Aaron was playing into the fourth quarter a lot more and throwing a lot more in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. This year, Stetson's 
passing yards through three quarters is 3,104. So he's only thrown for an additional 300 yards in the fourth quarter of games. So if you think if our defense wasn't so good and we didn't blow teams out like we have, then, you know, he could have eight, 900 more yards just grinding it out in the fourth quarter of a game. That is a great stat that most people, I guarantee you, don't realize that. And, you know, the, the average, you know, college football plant fan, your average Tennessee fan who sits out there and talks about things like yardage, well, I mean, the guy's playing three-quarters a game. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. numbers are three-quarters a game. That's it. And, you know, we you, you know exactly when in every game Kirby basically tells Monk to dial it back, let's start running, let's sit on them and suffocate them with our right. run game, ground out some first downs and get this over with. I jotted down a stat just because I was curious about this. Among all of our rivals this year, the biggest lead we had in those games against Auburn, it was 32 points. Against Florida, it was 25. Georgia Tech, 30. Tennessee, 21. South Carolina, 48. And then LSU this past weekend, 28. So every single one of those games, at some point, we decided we're just going to – we're going to sit on them with our running game and run this clock out. Yeah. That's crazy, the margin of, of, of lead, margin of lead there. Um, might be a new stat. Um, yeah. yeah, helps you relax a little bit during the game. Well, exactly. We've had so many relaxing games that it's been an embarrassment of riches, really. Yeah, I know. And, you know, what was weird about the SEC championship, it was almost a carbon copy of the Florida game because – we basically did the same thing, got up by like 25, 28 points going into half. And then we came out in the third quarter and the first possession, we have the ball and we fumble. They get the ball back and they score and then they score again. And now it's starting to get a little tense. And then we motor down the field a couple of times and put the game away. And it was the same thing in both games. Yeah, it's – it's weird. It's like, it's almost like we, the fans relax and it's almost impossible for the players to some extent to not relax a little bit and go, we're about yeah. to have, we're about to have confetti raining down up in here on us with championship hats and shirts mm-hmm. and, and all the accolades that go with that. Yeah. The big hat, that really huge. Yeah. Hat. I like the new, the, the big hat that I like, that's a new thing, right? Yeah, that is a new thing. That huge hat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, no, but you know, we, we you can kind of tell those times that we we relax, but those times that we're focused and dialed in, I mean, we truly are hell on wheels on offense. You know, oh, I mean, it is lethal. Lethal. We just need yeah. that. We just need that for two more games. That's it. 120 minutes left to play. And, you know, if we if we play like that for 60 of them over those two games, then we'll be national champions. We don't have to do it the whole time, but it's half a game of that and, and we're national champs. I agree. You going to yeah. be in Atlanta? Yes, we will be. It's my son's birthday. It's my son's birthday on New Year's Eve. And uh, so we're uh, we're going to be there for it. Nice. Yeah, I'm planning yeah. on it, too. Yeah. 
All right, one more stat um, I, I wanted to go to was, you know, the stat that we've talked about all year, the net yards per play. Right. And, you know, we've talked about how for this metric, for making the college football playoff, you need to be over two net right. yards per play. And so now that we've got the whole season out of the way, we can look at there were actually five teams that were over two yards per play for the season. And three of those are in the college football playoff. There's Ohio mm -hmm. State at 2.5. There's us at 2.3. And then Michigan at 2.2. Um, you can see TCU's down at 1.3 um, and kind of indicating that they're not as strong as – and we kind of knew that. But um, the other two teams that actually – technically would have qualified for the college football playoff based upon net yards per play were Alabama and Florida state. Um, so, you know, Nick Saban really took kind of a weird argument with that whole point spread thing for getting into the playoff. He really should have just said, well, based upon the metric of over two yards per play, that yards per play, we should be in the college football playoff. But nobody pointed it out to him, so uh, so he didn't. He went with the point spread instead, which was amusing and sad for them, and great for us. And I love to see it, and really just kind of really marked the end of that dynasty right there. I think that night, you know. Yeah, um, he, I guess he was thinking he had to dumb it down for uh, the committee. That, that right. net, net yards per play would have just gone over their head. Just a little too technical. Yeah. So throw that graphic back up for just a second. I want to touch on a couple more things with it. So if you look at where the also Rams finished up for the year, right. um, Tennessee was right below two at 1.9, and Southern Cal was at one. Um, and then there's FSU at two. So Southern Cal really, and this was a product of their defense. You know, I mean, the Lincoln Riley defenses are terrible and you just can't have an offense good enough to generate two net yards per play when you have a, D, a Lincoln Riley defense. So um, that's why they were so far down. Looking at the SEC, there's Georgia and Bama over two and Tennessee and Ole Miss is the only one over one, and then a big bunch of teams that are between 0.5 and negative 0.5. And, you know, so there was the the cream of the crop at the top and then a bunch of middling teams that went eight and four, seven and five, six and six, and so forth. And then poor old Vandy down at the bottom at negative 1.7. But, you know, it even seemed like Vandy had a better year this year than they normally have. So – um, yeah, I guess that says something for him. One that's, more, um, yeah, go ahead. That, that stat makes it look like Brian Kelly used the luck of the Irish to get LSU in there when they really didn't belong. That's it. I mean, and you know, going into that game, it just felt like if LSU was going to win that game, like they had to have a whole lot of things go their way. And boy, did they not go their way, you know, <laughs> right. between the, the field goal, the blocked field goal run back, and then the interception off the helmet um you know that things just really did not go their way to start that game and statistically it was really odd because i mean they were hanging right with us stat wise but 
score-wise, we were just killing them. You know, I mean, we we were up 35-7, to seven, and I want to say, you know, maybe we had 50 more yards than we did at, than they did at that point. Um, but, you know, when you have weird things like that happen against the number one team, you're not going to stay in it. Incidentally, the did you see the interview with Chris Smith where he was talking about that play where he picked up the ball and ran it back on the blocked kick? Uh, I've seen so many interviews that, 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 I, that I can't remember what happened, but tell me. So he said that, you know, they had talked about the play and that don't pick it up and run it back unless you know you can score a touchdown. And so he thought it was a live ball. And, you know, that moment when he's kind of hovering over it right. and he looks, you know, you're kind of thinking, is he looking to the coaching staff? Is he looking at LSU? He said he was looking at the ref. And the ref, he was looking at the ref like, can I pick this up? And the ref basically nodded like, yes, like, yeah, <laughs> you can pick that up and run with it. And so that's when he decided to pick it up and run with it. <laughs> that play will just go down in Georgia lore is one of the most fantastic things to ever happen. It was so incredible. And yeah, watching that angle of the LSU players all just basically walking off the field like the play was over, you know? I mean, none of them were in the vicinity of him the whole time he ran down the field because they were already on the sideline. Well, and how about this? None of the LSU coaches were yelling at them to get back out there. None of them knew the rule. I mean, that yeah. made them look really, really bad. Apparently, LSU special teams all year has been really bad, and that kind of punctuated it in that game um, that, you know, Brian Kelly had said they practiced it, but clearly they didn't practice it enough. And, you know, <laughs> Chris Smith said we practiced it every three weeks. I'm like, man, that's kind of a random play to practice all the time, but um, I'm glad yeah. we did. Well, what goes into Kirby's algorithm where he's like, this specific rare play that will happen once every 10 years, every three weeks, that's when we work on that one. And, yeah, and what are the other of, scenarios that they're working on then? <laughs> Who knows? Like combinations that are never going to happen in a game, but I'm sure we've practiced them. So one more fun fact about that, that block kick, and they showed this stat during the game. It said, there have been five field goals blocked in the SEC championship, and four of those are by Georgia, which is wow. kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and so I was trying to think back to our other games, and I could think of three. So we had the 2012 Ogletree. Alec Ogletree, right. and then Daquan Hawkins Muckle, Muckle in 2017 against Auburn. Um, but I couldn't think of the fourth one, so I don't know what that one is. We, we seem like we're getting to be, you know, quasi-prolific at blocking kicks when almost like when we need to, you know? In the, yeah. In the SEC championship, actually, we have blocked a kick in every SEC championship game that we've won because 2002, um, uh, DeCorey Bryant blocked that punt against Arkansas, and then Musa mm -hmm. Smith scored right after that. 2005, Brian McClendon blocked a punt against LSU, and we scored right after it. And then in 2017, we block a field goal, and then 2022, we block a field goal. Yeah, yeah, I was all four years. 
All four <laughs> years. Yeah. yeah. I, I've been in attendance for a bunch of those. I was there yeah. for 17, 22, this one, 2012. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's me. Buffalo <laughs> and I sat together for 2002 and 2017. So uh, we were at both of those together. I was at, um, I wasn't at, um, at this one, obviously, and 2005, I was not at, but um, yeah, the other two were over there. I have not physically been in Buffalo's presence since the start of the Mad Dog Show. I don't know if I will ever see him in person again at this <laughs> point. <laughs> I, I think we're going to have to organize some kind of post-game Mad Dog, you know, commentator, <laughs> you know, get together. For sure. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Sure. Somewhere <laughs> exotic like the Bahamas or something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. A couple other weird, random, fun things. Okay. Um, you know, we, we've talked about our, our old guys who come back for our six and seven years. Well, you know, you and uh, Mark Slaybaugh were talking about JT Daniels. He technically can still qualify for a medical red shirt for his 2019 year. I don't know how this is the case, but he can. So he has the potential wherever he transfers <laughs> to, to play two more years of college football. Which would so, take him, that would take him to what? 2018, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. He's already about to set the record for most teams. <laughs> yeah, right. I was thinking that, that maybe there was that other guy that went to like Texas, Ohio State, Miami. I can't remember that dude's name, but um, yeah, he's at, he'll be at number four now. Uh, he is a definition of a journeyman. <laughs> I hope he finds a good spot, man. I mean, he was such a good dog and, you know, yeah. it just didn't work out for him, but you know, he, he's, he was, he was a good teammate. He, he wrapped the dogs. Well, um, I hope it works out for him. Somehow. What about this one? Um, UCLA for him. He started at USC. Yeah. DRT, I think is graduating. Mm -hmm. Chip Kelly. I mean, yeah, going back home, cross-town robin. Going back yep. home, I mean, how poetic. That would make sense. Yeah. You know? I mean, just he, he basically journeyed all the way around the country, and so um, now he heads back home. And, um, you know, who, who knows? Transfer portal, I mean, we knew it was going to be crazy, but, I mean, goodness, I think we're up close to a 1,000 guys in the transfer portal now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a wormhole. I mean, nobody can truly understand it or explain it other than once you go in, if you decide to come back out, there may not be a scholar waiting for you any longer. <laughs> I know, I know. And we saw that a lot last year, and I'm sure we're going to see even more of that this year. Um, I hope these guys are getting some good advice. Uh, yeah, I do too, because you, you'd hate <laughs> to see somebody get bad advice and walk away from, you know, a college education. Yeah, and you know it. It's going to be interesting for Georgia to see who hits the transfer portal. I've been hearing a few names, and you know we, you know, one of them that a few people have batted around is Brock Vandergriff. But it, as far as I understand, I don't think we have a, a quarterback recruit for this recruiting class. We kind of put our chips in on little Manning, so um, we, hopefully we can talk him into sticking around because I don't think we're going to have a lot of depth at quarterback this coming up year. Um, but I don't know who else is considering it right now. 
Uh, I, you know, <clears throat> that's the only name I've heard. And that's why I've, I've posed the question, do we need to get in the portal, you know, for insurance? You know, we saw what happened with Jamie Newman. He, he never saw a snap. Right. Um, so much weird stuff can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, if there's one thing that I really truck, I trust Kirby on a lot of things, but one thing that I really trust him on is roster management. So right. um, he's, he's got it dialed in. Um, one last thing, you and Slayball were talking about Sanford Bulldogs and they are, if you, if you just throw out the teams that we played in November, they're the only team that we played that ended up going undefeated the rest of the year. Really? Yeah. They, wow. After they, after we lost, after they lost to us, they just ran roughshod through the rest of their schedule. Well, you know, after they played us, it's like everybody seems easy. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, nobody's going to be harder than that. Worst. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we are worst case scenario when you play us. Yeah, and you know we looked at that second half of that game and we we're like, man, what's going on? We don't look very good. Well, you know, it turns out that team we were playing went undefeated the rest of the year. So that 38 nothing that we hung in the first half looked really good because, you know, that was actually a pretty good team that we played. Well, not to mention the fact that, you know, Kirby and Hatcher are friends. He's not just going to run the score up on his buddy. So you yeah. got that factor too, which I'm not sure if – was Vegas aware of the friendship factor when they set that line? I don't think they were. You gotta, you've got to incorporate that. You know, you got to think about what kind of relationship does our head coach have with the other head coach? It's yeah. a, it's a, one of those uh, unseen metrics. Like go, going for two when you're up by 26 points <laughs> in the fourth quarter. <laughs> exactly. What I don't know what chart he used, but there is apparently a chart for that. I want to get that chart. I want to see that. Yeah, I mean, that is some complicated math right there. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think it involves um, coaches' names at the bottom that kind of negate <laughs> all the, negate all the other rules. Stick it to him. Stick it to that guy. Yeah, if it's his guy, especially go for two. That's it. That's yep. it. All right. That's it for the stats this week. Well, Bert, as always, man, thanks for joining us, taking the time out to round those up. They uh, they are always eye-opening. And uh, have yourself a Merry Christmas. I'm sure I'll talk to you before then. And you go dogs. Okay, go dogs. Thanks. It's time for the breakdown with Bulldog Illustrated's Vance Levy. Vance, good to see you again, my friend. What's going on? Hey, run it back twice. Why not? <laughs> Why not, man? What a scene it was in the bins. I'm sure you were there. Oh, man. It's so nice to kind of shake some of the demons off in that place. Uh, and, hey, we get, a, we get an opportunity to go 3-0 in 2022. I think that'd be definitely gaining on, like I said, the, the horrors that we've experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's just shocking to think that we've scored 99 points there already. <laughs> I mean. I mean, and just it looked really good. I mean, you know, I think some people are, you know, a little, obviously you'd rather LSU not have, battle back like that but you know our 
I really do believe there's a lot to be said for we, we hadn't prepared for that quarterback. And, boy, he lit it up. Yeah, he did. And, you know, when you're playing that far ahead and the quarterback was accurate and the receivers were catching it, we're trying to keep them from, you know, busting bombs on us. So, you know, I don't get too torqued up about it. You know, there's a lot of people that are going to always gravitate to the negative. I had one of them in my car on the ride home that I basically had to shut down. <laughs> Just say, look, man, it's not that the glass is half empty or half full. Our cup runneth over right now. That's where we're at. Well, in the drive home uh, this year after the SEC was a lot better than last year. Woo, good grief. Man. Yeah, I wish I'd reminded him of that. Because I, I was hot last year. Ugh. Oh, ugh. What but a terrible. It's kind of interesting because Ohio State does find themselves in a very similar spot as we did last year, embarrassed. Uh then you get a chance to rectify it. You know, for us, it was the same team. But right. uh, but really, us rectifying it is what we did to Michigan. So, Very true. Very true. I'm, I'm just still just ecstatic that we're, we're there. We're number one. I'm just trying to savor that. You know, there's already, you know, Ohio State noise with rats fleeing the ship whether it be their receiver or their offensive coordinator which to me is very interesting um I, you know i don't really to be honest i don't like the psychology of the way it sets up with them feeling like they've got new life having an extra week off but the difference maker is that our head coach will make sure that our psychology is right yeah here's something for you to ponder would you rather have a month to prepare for Ohio State or nine days? That's a great point. That's and, a great And would you point. rather have nine days to prepare for Michigan and TCU or a month? I mean, I yes, maybe having TCU in the first game would have potentially been easier, but I, I like our guy having a month to, to prepare against, you know, out of the four that are there, Outside of Georgia, that they're, they're, I think you could say they're right up there ex explosive wise. Although, you know, obviously Michigan has found something and they've added an element certainly that we didn't see last year. So, but I don't mind having the month to prepare for the Buckeyes personally. Well, that's a very profound statement that no one has made before. And I feel silly for not thinking of it myself. And that's just the best way you could possibly look at it. Yeah, and I mean, Kirby's pretty good at preparing, you know, just like Saban was a month. <laughs> you, you can figure out exactly what that other team's doing. And uh, like you pointed out, they've got a couple, you know, they're not, they've got the coordinator who's going to be a head coach, not an easy assignment. They got the one receiver that isn't going to try to come back. I mean, you, you know, I can, depending on what that injury is, I mean, you know, that, that's not that shocking. I mean. No, it's not. But i tell you what was just shocking and delightful to see was Nick Saban going on TV everywhere he could to <laughs> grovel and try and beg their way in. I mean, that was surreal. Yeah. Looking back at it, I think his best argument would have been to say, look at the Big Ten as a conference as a whole 
Do they really deserve two teams? And they're going to – they're basically they, – they've got – because they didn't put them playing each other, they've got a better chance than any conference to definitely have somebody in the title game for a conference that passed Penn State was a dog this year. Absolute dog. You know, and, you know, but, you know, there were only X amount of one-loss teams left. Yep. And That's, in exactly the end, I right. got the Buckeyes in. I mean, and let me Shane, Beamer, Shane Beamer destroyed the hopes and dreams <laughs> of the Vols and Clemson nations. Couldn't happen, <laughs> couldn't happen to a better lot, in my opinion. Turns out Shane Beamer hates the color orange, absolutely hates it. And the fact that those two orange teams are playing in the Orange Bowl and they're there because of him is just the most poetic justice imaginable. I know. And thankfully, that offensive coordinator, and we played South Carolina early enough that they didn't have things clicking because that that guy definitely had had Rattler dialed in there at the end. So, yeah, where's he going? He's going to uh, Nebraska, right? I I think that sounds right. I think that's right. So Beamer's looking for a coordinator, unless he might have already found one. But yeah, if he has, I hadn't heard about it. And Rattler will be back, right? You know, I don't know. He should be. I swear, <laughs> I heard somebody say he was talking about getting in the portal. Well, you might be thinking of JT Daniels, who's back in there again. He's his home away from home, the transfer portal. I mean, <laughs> good luck. Uh, that'll be a record, won't it? I mean, to play quarterback with four different teams. Yeah, you know that's the thing. I, I I have no problems with the portal, but I don't. I think you get one move, other than medically, because mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. You you mean three is too many for you? I mean, it doesn't work out. So it, I mean, why not go to three different schools in one year? Right. Well, you know where I could see him going. Florida. That'd be fine. Right. I mean, that guy's a statue back there. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you know, and I'm not being ugly, but I mean, he did, his mobility is a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, he is not on my worry list. I can assure you of that. And I mean, how about you? You Stetson for Heisman's got legs. I, I mean, you know, we, we, we're not dumb over here. I mean, we, we, we recognize talent and we can see statistics and see through statistics to the fact that, you know, if just because you're in the Pac-12 or, you know, another conference where you're playing a bunch of nobodies racking up stats doesn't mean you're better. What yeah. matters is who you play. And I know I'm preaching to the choir on that. And you've seen the stat and we're going to talk about it in the show, which is, you know, how did these finalists do against ranked teams and when you look at that, it is a stark contrast. Uh, without a doubt. And, you know, I, last year doesn't really count, but one loss in two seasons? <laughs> right. I mean, so I'm sorry. That that does mean something. Yeah, it does. You know, and I, granted, it's the reward is for each new season, but you can't. You got to look at that and be like, uh, "What is what has the guy done wrong?" Exactly. The only thing he did wrong, he righted it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? Uh, 
It'd be awesome if somehow the voters, when did they vote? The voting ended, I believe, Sunday, Sunday or maybe Monday. My question is this. So back in the day, you know, when we were youngsters, everybody had a high, you know, a Heisman campaign and the schools would pump it up. And then at some point that was no longer in vogue. And so I just wonder, you know, did the schools, they know who the voters are. Are they feeding the voters statistics like the ones we're seeing, you know, so that to make sure that that the voters aren't headline reading or highlight watching and that's what they're basing it on, who's striking a Heisman pose against, you know, a, a, a team that would be a cellar dweller in the SEC to yeah. make sure that they, they get the picture. Yeah, I, I wish there was external campaigns like there once was. Uh, because. Stetson could have benefited. Uh, For sure. I do know through a friend, I have a line to Herb Street, and I did my selling Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some texting going on? Yeah, yeah. And he, we did get a response out of him. <laughs> so yeah. He said he was on his ballot. I don't know what that meant means. So, <laughs> yeah, that means he's on your ballot to choose from, but did you vote for him? I, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to know what the ballot is. I mean, do they pick four, five? I mean, how do they get down to, you know, because that number is not set every year mm -hmm. as far as finalists go. Right. I think, I think it's gone from maybe three a few years ago up to six. I'm just talking about in recent memory. I feel like that number has fluctuated. So, yeah, and yeah. My 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 line was uh, what I told you: one loss in two years. I mean, enough said. Yeah, and, and then you got all the other stats to pile on top of that, and it's just like, okay, are you smart enough to connect just a few dots, Mister yeah. Voter? Because if right. you are, it's a should be a foregone conclusion. The, the one thing Stetson does have going with is they, they've kind of gotten out of the early voting they used to do. Mm -hmm. they, 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 you know, they used to have them in before, you know, the end of November, definitely before the championship games. Right. Yeah. And I guess the only reason they don't do it after the playoff games is there's so many candidates that wouldn't be in the playoffs. So they don't want to penalize them for that, but. Right. Well, and they've had the made for TV events with the, you know, the, what Disney does and then what what the Heisman ceremony. Oh, mm -hmm. Rob Say is on his way to New York. I know. I talked to Rob last night. He's fired up, man. Yeah, he, he's already campaigning for money. Don't worry. <laughs> He'll be getting selfies all over the place. I know. I'm like, <laughs> why do I need to go? He'll do a better job than I would. Yeah. <laughs> I want what's the over under on the number of selfies he gets with former Heisman. Oh my God. Don't make me cringe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling for you, Rob. I want you to get, I'm going to say 10. I no, think he could hit 30. You think he could hit 30? I think the over under is 16. Wow. That's a high number. I'm going yeah. with, I'm going with 14. I mean, he's got a good nose for me. I mean, he were to come up on some post party at some bar. I mean, he could be snapping them well into the night. Well, he's got an expert trigger finger too. I mean, he's like, Hey man, let me get in here for a selfie. He leans in and pow, it's done. 
Oh yeah, that that's why they're faced a lot of times. Like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> they look they look surprised. <laughs> oh no, seriously, I'm I'm so happy for him to get to go up there and do that, man. That's, yeah, that's once in a lifetime stuff. Yeah, and I did. You know, I, I went to school with his Stetson's dad and heard back from. I texted him last night, and he was just like, "What a night!" I mean, the Lord is good, and I mean that. I mean, this the story is just phenomenal, and it keeps getting better. Just yeah. when you think it can't get any better, then it does. And what what he does with the football is just amazing, you know. Yeah. And he didn't even show out as much with his feet against LSU. He he ripped it around the yard. And so let's talk about that. It almost seems like it's intentional that we're trying to just limit the amount of pain he inflicts others with his feet to times where it's only absolutely necessary. I guess that's all in the, you know, interest of self-preservation for him. Just, you know, don't do that unless you have to. Well, I, 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 I think I'd give the credit to Munkin. Uh, as I've said, we, we haven't had receivers like that at the university of Georgia since Wayne McDuffie and Eric Zier. And that's, that's back to when, our gray-haired selves were in college as right. far as plays are there. And Stetson's not having to use his feet when the plays are there. Well, yeah. I guess what I'm talking about is, and you've seen this play too, it's the, it's that old read option where he's standing there feeding the ball into their belly, and it's wide open if he keeps it. I mean, you know, we see it 10 times a game. We're like, why is he not keeping it? And it's got to be because he's been told, you're handing that ball off. And I would even say go back to Fromm. It was a, that play was open when we were running that for Fromm. Right. I mean, matter of fact, the end of one of the, I think it was Fromm's last season. I saw his dad, uh, and he's like, "Nah, Jake can definitely run the football." So I, that, there might be something to what you're saying is that you do minimize, you know, how much contact. And but boy, I'm with you when you get down to the nitty gritty. As a competitor, if you're, you know, this is football 101. Right. If you're the quarterback and you're running an option and the option tells you that it makes more sense to keep it, then you ought to have the ability to keep it. Right. So, but I also don't think you're far off that there's some thought into limiting how many times you want him to get blasted on that play. Exactly. Especially, you know. When a, a large part of that game, you're at 35 to 10 and better. Yeah. What did you think on the Chris Smith play? I mean, were, did you realize that when it was happening? Because I watched the whole thing. I mean, I think I knew it was live, but this the way everyone froze, I think it froze even you even knowing what you thought you knew. Exactly. I'm like sitting there going, certainly this isn't, this isn't possible. There, somebody's going to blow a whistle to screw this up. And, and they're going to say inadvertent whistle, the ball's down there. And then just the, him having the wherewithal to just sit there and watch them run off the field had to be like the best feeling in the world. Cause he knew what was about to go down. All right. Well, and we're lucky that a, a referee didn't blow the whistle. That's what I'm saying. I kept expecting he, it to happen. He got confused. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really was this sort of like a surreal moment 
at a Grateful Dead show in 1991. <laughs> well, here's the thing. That'll never happen again because of that play. That yeah. play is what all coaches will use. Did that really just happen? <laughs> that really just happened. Exactly. <laughs> is this uh, real? <laughs> and then the, did, the, did the ball just get – did Javon Bullard? No, I don't know who tipped it first before it doinked off of that guy's helmet. Then Javon tipped it. Then Mondin got it. Yeah. I mean, how nice that George is finally getting some of this stuff. Oh, God. I mean, it was such a drought for so long. Those are what I used to call Florida plays. Those right. plays would always go in Florida's favor. Yeah. Just, well, and know. I heard, yeah, sorry, but Neuheisel had some quote about that type of stuff going to those that are bold yesterday. And it's it's kind of like uh, MJ, all the calls and all the stuff that he got there because he was the man. Right. The breaks do tend to go to the people that are uh, forcing a lot of stuff like that. And think about Alabama. When oh, you read my mind. You read my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're forever. When we were close, but we weren't quite there, we are like – why can't we ever get one of those tip balls? They go straight to their guy's hands. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that you're putting yourself in that position a lot more times because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're where you're supposed to be. So those things do fall in your arms. Yeah. Not only that. And, and I think it's also, there's a respect factor. I mean, it used to be that Alabama could not have a penalty called on them and those days are over. I mean, they would have the most egregious holds that were just so obvious, and they wouldn't get called, and now they always get called. Yeah, it, it, it's a nice thing. It's a very nice thing to find. I'm just happy that I got to see it in my lifetime. Yeah. I was, I was beginning to have my doubts. I mean, my 90-year-old my godfather said, I'm glad I'm still alive. This is unbelievable <laughs> last night in the text. And he's, he's still – he's kind of like Dooley. He's sharp. To this day, you know, right, so, right. He, he, you know, he's in La La Land. To to think that we're on the hills of possibly doing it again, and the, the run that Stetson's had. I mean, it. You do have to take time to, like, really rejoice in it. You do. I keep saying right. that. Just stop and savor it. I sent right. somebody. A t I sent a friend a text today. Let me get to this. He's a friend from Athens. Um, Stuart Dickens. Oh, yeah. And I remember I'm when he was to, in Aspen. <laughs> that's right. You know, and I lived in Aspen with him. And I'm, so I'm about to go see him in Breckenridge. Jerry Maguire's, or Jerry, what was the sandwich place? Johnny Maguire. Johnny Maguire's. Johnny Maguire's, yes. He was they a Johnny Maguire fan. Yes. <laughs> so I sent him a text and I said, We're the number one ranked undefeated SEC and reigning national champions. Read that again. I mean, just this it's just the last 12 months have been just unbelievable yeah and and to think there there is still frustrations when we don't get that third and one or uh, <laughs> yeah like, like and i'm terrible at a game like when lsu tied it up I, i'll go to to the bathroom or whatever and i, I kind of like to mess with georgia fans i was like Holy cow, can you believe it? The other team actually likes to score a touchdown too. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
the, this, the nerve. And just because people are all like dumbstruck by it. Yeah. You're like, uh, they want to win too. I mean, it's, you know, I, and I joke that, you know, when Stetson would throw an interception, I'm like, oh my, can you believe it? A quarterback actually throws interceptions? Oh, I'll tell you what I've had to listen to all week is people bashing Ringo. I'm like, guys, just stop it. You're, you're, you're showing that you don't know anything about football right. when, you, when you're doing that. I mean, there's a reason why he's on the big board at number three. And I'm yeah. sorry that you don't like it, that he's not turning his head enough. I promise that's fixable. There's yeah, a well, you know. in the NFL, they want that risk, risk versus reward guy that can take it the other way. Exactly. And that's what you get with Keeley. You know, yeah. sometimes it is, you know, he does get smoked because of that type of mentality. But to your point, yeah, number three, I was shocked the other day when I saw that. I mean, yeah. I knew he was up there, but I was like, holy cow. Yeah, that shocked me a little bit too. Yeah. Hey, um, let me ask you a Bulldog Illustrated question. Okay. So you've got an issue coming out this week. Yeah, or it'll come out next Tuesday, a week from the day. All right, yeah. so the, it'll it'll be like a a, a playoff preview. Yep. I mean, it's we do it. It's called you know typically it's it's our bowl preview no matter what. Uh huh. And it comes out. Yeah, we thankfully we don't have to put it out right after the SEC championship. So. Uh, so you're you're in an extra jolly mood today because you haven't just gone through the gauntlet. Yes, and really, like we're always a week ahead. So really, last week was my week off. Uh huh. Including the day after the game. So yeah, now we're humping it to be ready for Sunday's deadline. And and so I guess here's where I'm going. We've got we got your playoff preview. Yep. We got the post playoff edition. Well, the way that works is uh, if we uh, – yeah, the it's instead of the bowl preview, it is now the CFP semi-bowl preview. Like it. Uh, and then if we win that game, there will be a natty extra the week – like the very next week after December 31st. So basically a preview of the natty. And then there'll be a post natty. If we win it all, there'll be a big, big old a hundred and something pager again that will gotcha. kill us. I, I just need. To, I'm saying all this because I need to. You know, I'm used to having it every week, and I kind of thought I wasn't going to get one this week. So yeah, you're then, not. Okay. Yeah. So, which will be that'll be all right. Might, yeah, as well that, have, might as well have people hungry for it. That's exactly right. Leave them wanting more. And now the big thing is, is I've kind of, from a cover standpoint, I got to see what happens in New York on Saturday. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's I mean, I think e either way, we'll, we'll definitely have something to celebrate. I mean, him making it to New York is just badass. Oh, it really is. I mean, it, it, it absolutely is. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's the, uh, it's the sequel to the original movie, which was last year. Right. And, and I mean, it's, it's turning into a franchise. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing is, is I think I probably told probably you even is the minute we found out Bennett came back or was coming back. Uh huh. I told people, I was like that alone with our schedule, we should win every one of our regular season games. 
Oh, I said the same thing. People kept saying, oh, we lost all that stuff. I lost all this stuff in the draft. I'm like, listen, we've got Stetson Bennett back with the skill players we have and the linemen we have. And I know we've got people that we can plug in. And, yeah, we lost all those guys on defense. But we're getting back Nolan and Jalen and right. Beal right. and Ringo and yeah. Chris Smith. Uh, we got a lot to work with there, and all you're going to do is just plug in five stars. We're not going to be bad, and to your point, especially with that schedule. Yeah, because whereas Tennessee, South Carolina had good years the year before last, from a depth perspective, they're nowhere near where we are. Right. You know, now next year, that they're catching up on depth, right? You know, right. Florida with a new coach. I mean, they'll, they'll be year two, they'll be – improved but if you've looked at next year's schedule i mean we get old miss in athens right past that you know it's another november gauntlet with florida old miss tennessee kentucky mm -hmm. but i mean before that you know now you got auburn with a new, another new coach right in october uh hey we still got a lot to be done in this season, but if you're looking ahead, I mean, <laughs> another run next year is – that one will come down to how the whomever the quarterback is, how uh, how he takes care of the football. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Do we, do we want to get into conjecture on that already? Yeah, I'm happy to. I mean, you know, the heir apparent is back. There'll be tons of competition. There's rumors already out there that there may be somebody transferring out. Yeah. Um, which then I don't want to say any names on that. But if that happens, you know, we're going to be probably looking in the portal. Yeah. Or we just, you know, think Raven County. <laughs> well, there. I mean, he's a competitor. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And he's, you know, he's going to be in the thick of it regardless of who's yeah. older and who's not. Yeah, I think it's between those two. You do? I do. But, and I know nothing. I mean, I really don't. I, I just know if you I'm, – I'm judging that on if you look at the success we've had with a gritty, athletic, and knows when things break down mm -hmm. type quarterback. Right. That we've been running the last two and a half years. Right. Stockton certainly fits that bill. Yes, he does. Yeah. And what he's a true freshman this year, right? Or I guess he's – this is year two, right? Is he's it? Here last Are you I sure? Know. I know. I'm confused too. I, I, think, I think he's a true freshman. He was here in the spring. Okay. Well, yeah, that gets you, that gets you uh, confused. Right. So, I mean, he's basically a red shirt. Yeah. I'm looking it up. <laughs> while you're, while you're doing that, I, I mean, to me, it seems like the Tennessee is going to have to have some sort of drop off with hooker gone. There's got to be a couple of those receivers gone and it, their defense was not wor a world beater. So, um, yeah, he's a freshman. How how can Tennessee do better next year than they did this year? I think they're going to have more depth. And with that offense, I mean, that offense is deadly. I yeah. Mean, it, it's tough. So, I mean, if they can get 
better play defensively. And look out, Georgia Tech's about to be working all 365 days to dominate. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read their coach's comments? No, I didn't. What, what? I mean, as a Tech fan, that, that'll get you excited. But look out. They're, they're, they're going at it 365 days. Unfortunately, our coach somehow, I think, has about 30 extra days he puts in. <laughs> <laughs> By working an extra hour every day and sleeping for only two. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would be nice to play at least a bowl-eligible tech. Yeah. Hey, they played us great. Yeah. I mean, with, I mean down to, what, their third-string quarterback? I mean – Personally, they, they exposed our corners is not early on. They, they couldn't get off the blocks. Uh, mm -hmm. If I'm playing Georgia, I'm definitely watching the early part of that Tech game because that was unnerving that those big receivers of Tech were – I mean, they, they, that's who opened up those early plays versus Tech. Is they, they were making their blocks, so they were getting eight yards. Yeah, they're going to watch the Tech game and the Missouri game, which the Missouri game is what just spooked the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that one, we we could have lost. That, that one was that, – that, hey, you got to win one or two ugly every year. I mean, it wouldn't have ruined our season because we went on to win the SEC championship, but it's – it would have put a. It would have been a huge black eye. Right. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. In the end, you're right. We would have been in. But what if there was some undefeated teams? Right. The SEC yeah. champions still would have gone. But. Yeah. Who knows? Thankfully, yeah. it doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. That was just a nightmare we had back in whenever that was October, I think. Well, it, it gave everybody something to get excited or pissed off about on a crisp chilly October evening and all over Georgia. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, Georgia fans love to have something to bitch about apparently. Yeah. No well, matter what we're there. We're, they're not used to success yet. Well, although they are finding themselves like Alabama now where they're having to make decisions as to whether they can go to the SEC championship, the semi and a natty. I mean. There's no decision. You just do all three, especially when the semis in your backyard. That's fair enough. But like somebody said, you know, that the SEC championship the other night, there, there was definitely some empty seats. Really? I didn't see any. Yeah. I mean, I think. That was out of the LSU allotment. Yeah. I mean, for sure. But it is true. I mean, from a financial no, yeah. standpoint. No, it is. It is. You see why people begin to have to say, well, I'm going to bet on we're still there for L.A. Yeah. And I'm going to save my two grand even, you know, because if you're getting a hotel room in Atlanta and getting tickets, it's two grand. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. There's no – that's doing it pretty cheap. Well, yeah. I bought I bought plane tickets for – uh my me and my sons before the season started to LA. Nice. And, and they're like, Dad, where are we staying? And I said, the nicest hostel we can find. Nice. How <laughs> long like, are you going? Just two days. There you go. Nice. Um, 
That better be going two days. Yeah, that to me, I was gonna if, if we got into if we had to go to Tempe, I was just never gonna come back. Yeah, yeah. Just, oh wow. Like Arizona, then Colorado, LA, and then maybe Hawaii, and maybe I can buy Jake Scott's old place. <laughs> the the Bulldog Illustrated Odyssey to a natty. Yeah. <laughs> Two and done. <laughs> Fear and loathing on the playoff trail. <laughs> I've done uh, my work here. <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> come, come find me on a mountain somewhere selling Johnny McGuire's, delivering Johnny McGuire's. Man, I'm going to tell Stuart that we're going to have to just go to the grocery store and just get all the, the ingredients and just make some. Remember the trucker? Oh, yeah. With turkey and bacon. Absolutely. And I don't know what they did. I don't know if it was the dressings they put on those things or what. But, I mean, everybody loved those things. Everybody. Yeah. Well, and being from Athens, you're like, oh, my God, this is lo this is Locos in the mountains. Yeah, with an orange Volkswagen Beetle that had the pickle on top. And the same type of fun guys, run type of guys running it. I mean, it really was a Locos West. You know, you're, I've never heard it said that way, but you're right. That's exactly what it was. It was. I mean, you could, I, I don't know. I don't, would Johnny McGuire's bring you cigarettes and dip like Locos <laughs> used to do? You know, Locos, you were definitely around when Locos would go through, they'd go to the convenience store and get you what you wanted. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, we by the time about... I got to school a couple of years later, I guess they finally, somebody probably said, you know, that's illegal. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. You can't be bring, delivering a 12 pack of beer and marble lights anymore. <laughs> and by the way, the, the kid was 17. Yeah. <laughs> High schoolers are ordering locos. I mean, I miss those days. I know. I know. Oh, man. Well, we, man. We, we, we dang sure weren't calling our parents to tell them, to ask them how to figure out every little snafu we came about. No. No, we were pioneers. We yeah. were pioneers. We had no phones. We just had to figure it out. Yeah, nor did our parents want to hear from us. Right. I mean, you they were glad they couldn't find us yeah. when we left yeah. the house. I was the last of three. Yeah, I was. They were done with me when I was 15. Oh, yeah. You yeah. left the house. You might as well have been in Alaska until you came yeah. home. Unfortunately, I got the same amount of money as my sister five years earlier. There was no inflation in my dad's world. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is what you get for the quarter. Good luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Vance, it's always great catching up with you. I'm glad we're here uh, in a celebratory mood and looking ahead to bigger and better things. Yeah, man. Have a great Christmas. I mean, it's hard to believe, but what are we, two weeks? A little, little more than two weeks out. Yeah, that is crazy. And yeah. the football season is gone. Not yet, but it's... No, but, but it's... It's insane how quickly it comes and goes. It, it really is. It really is. But that's and then you what... know, it's kind of depressing once the Army Navy game is over on Saturday, and then you have to start seriously looking at basketball games. Well, let's see. That's why my new tradition is: is after the SEC championship, I go to Colorado. I go, yeah. and I go ahead and have my first trip. You know, just kind of. So you're back it. from it, or you're about to no, go? No, I'm, I'm going Thursday. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I won't I won't have to watch terrible basketball games and Army Navy on TV. I'll just uh, I'll be out there celebrating um 
SFB4 is Heisman. Nice. Yes. Well, and Mike White's got our hoop dogs playing the defense. Yeah, he does. What's our record now? We either have one or two lot, five and two, I believe. Okay. They play tech, you know. I, I guess this show's running in a few, couple of days, but they play tech tonight. This being a Tuesday. Uh, is that on TV? Yeah, definitely. Is is tech good? Uh, they have one more loss than we did. Okay, well, I'll yeah. tune in. But we it may it might we're either six and two and they're five and three. I think that's right. I'll always watch the dogs if they're playing basketball. No, that is correct because Sunday's win versus whomever, we matched our same amount of victories as last season. Oh, wow. Well, in, that's, de in early December. That's improvement. That's why he's here. Yeah. Good guy, too. Good. Brother of Danny White, who's the AD at Tennessee. So the family has got good genes as far as college athletic administration right yeah well the bar is set impossibly low with georgia basketball there's nowhere to go but up but man i would just love it if he could just legitimize us there's as we've always said there's no reason why georgia can't have a successful basketball program maybe he's finally the guy yeah i think he can get us there so oh, good good deal all right well i hope santa's good to you you Tell too Tell Sharia said, hey. Yeah, enjoy the slopes. I'm jealous. Yes, sir. Well, I'll talk to you soon about it. All right, dude. All right, take Good care. Dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. That's all we got. I'm exhausted. Here's all you need to know. We're number one. We're undefeated. We're SEC champions. See you next week. Go dogs.